0: We are in the book of Hebrews continuing, uh, preaching through it. We are in chapter 11. We have come to verse 23. In Hebrews 10:39, the, the last verse of the preceding chapter, we were reminded as an introduction to this chapter that As God's people, we are people of faith. He writes, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and preserve their souls. And then throughout this chapter, the author is giving us examples from the Old Testament of God's people who have gone before us that we might see that God's people have always needed to live by faith, and we see that God has given significant faith to his people in their moments of need. This morning we come to the example of Moses. And if you have any background with the word of God, uh, you know that Moses was a man of extraordinary service and ministry to God. Moses defied the most powerful ruler in the world, the Pharaoh of the Egyptian empire, defied him performing signs and wonders over a period of time. We read of this in Exodus chapter seven. The Lord said to Moses, see I've made you like God to Pharaoh and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. and Though I multiply signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my host, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. And then as Moses leads the people out, he comes to the red sea, this barrier before them. And by then Pharaoh had changed his mind and his army is sent pursuing them. And we read in Exodus 14, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold. The Egyptians were marching after them and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Moses said to the people, fear not, Stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, upon their horsemen. And Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in His servant Moses. And then as they're traveling through the wilderness, Moses brings the people to Mount Sinai, where he experienced the awesome presence of God in Exodus 19. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and thick cloud on the mountain and as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. And the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. And Moses went up. And in Exodus chapter 33, we read that the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend and when we we think of what scripture tells us about this man and his ministry and then gives us the examples before us in this chapter does your faith start to feel small Does your faith, as you think what God called Moses to do, uh, does your faith feel feeble compared to what we know he accomplished? Part of the purpose of this chapter is to help us to see that our faith is not small and it is not feeble, that we all have the same essence of faith in the same Lord God. And we do have different degrees of consistency and strength of faith and practice of it. But what we need to see this morning is the type of faith that God gives his people to exercise in what he brings into their life that we might be encouraged by it. And that we would walk boldly in it. That is God's intention for you through his word this morning. Our lives are not as dramatic or as famous as Moses. But the faith that God gave you is powerfully at work. And so in this passage, we are given four examples from Moses' life of the faith that worked in him and that works in us. So Hebrews eleven twenty three. 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. not being afraid of the anger of the king for he endured as seeing him who is invisible by faith he kept the passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them our heavenly father we ask that you would cause our eyes to be fully open our hearts to be soft that your truth would be clear and be impressed upon us that we might be people who walk in obedience who who fear you rather than the world who obey you and are used by you to the glory of jesus name amen four examples of faith for moses life the first in verse 23 we see that faith overcomes fear This exercise faith was was actually the faith of Moses' parents as they sought to protect him. At that time, the nation of Israel were an enslaved people in the land of Egypt. And over the generations, the, the population of the Israelites had Grown to such numbers that the Egyptians were afraid that just by numbers they could revolt and overthrow the Egyptians. And so the king pronounced an edict that every male child born among the Israelites had to be put to death. But Moses' parents refused. They they saw that the child was beautiful. Now, this doesn't mean as every child, every parent looks at their child and just thinks their child's the most beautiful one ever born. It's the sense of uh, that they recognize something significant. A purpose of God was upon this child. And so they famously put the infant Moses in a basket and put that basket among the reeds along the shore of the river uh, where Pharaoh's daughter used to come to bathe. And when she came and they discovered the basket and opened it and heard the baby cry, it says that she felt pity And so she decided, rather than have the child put to death, to take that baby into her own home and raise it as her son. And in God's providence, God caused Moses' own mother to be the woman that she paid to be the nurse for this child. And so Moses was able to be raised in Pharaoh's household, but by his own mother in the early years taking care of him, training him in the truths of the Lord. Moses' parents had faith to be unafraid of the king's declaration and of the consequences that could have come if they were caught. And though Moses was raised in the culture of Egypt, he was taught the truths of the Lord. Parents, you have this same faith when you refuse to fear what the world tells you to do and how it wants you to live. When you are not intimidated by the massive engine of cultural trends, but you are committed to keeping the truth of Christ and of the gospel in the front of your home. It is the same faith you are exercising. When you're not afraid of the labels the world may place upon you for valuing the Lord, for not going along what they want, for being what they feel is is too narrow or too stringent. When you practice biblical values in your home, and you put them to use in the decisions you make about your household and about your children you are exercising the faith that we see that Moses parents used the second example of faith we see the faith to choose god's goodness over the benefits of compromise we're told in verse 24 by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses was raised as part of the household of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, of the empire. He had access to Wealth and power that is beyond anything we could imagine. This was not just being wealthy. This was national wealth. This was vast wealth. Pharaoh himself was considered to be a divine being. Honor, worship, deference was given to them. And Moses was part of this ruling family that had awesome wealth, inexhaustible wealth and power. I recently read that the Saudi royal family is worth $1.4 trillion. An extended family, $1.4 trillion. That's not the person you know with the biggest house in the neighborhood wealth. That's not even Bill Gates' wealth. It's not the wealth that any person could accumulate. It's the wealth that a nation gathers over the generations and then its leaders hold for themselves. That's the kind of position that Moses was in and he cast it aside. Because he believed serving God was of greater value and he recognized that he couldn't do them together. He could not have God first and be a part of the culture of that family and nation which had enslaved his own people. Verse 26, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt for he was looking to the reward. Notice verse 26 connects Moses' loss, his giving up of treasure and power and privilege, it it connects what he lost with the reproach of Christ. It connects Moses to the sufferings of Christ because it's all one gospel work. All that we do in obedience to the Lord, all of our service to him, and so consequences that come upon us because we are being faithful. These are not just isolated things and events and happenings of God's people in different places and times. All of this together is part of God's complete unified work under his sovereignty to gather a people to be a kingdom under the rule of Christ. And our acting out in obedience because we look to the Lord and value him and any loss that we might suffer because we We put him first. All of that together is connected to the person and work and honor of Christ. And that's how our Heavenly Father sees it. That's how he sees your small, struggling, feeble acts of faith. He sees it as part of the work of his son. He treasures it. And you show this faith when you put the Lord above the world around you. And when it puts you at a disadvantage, or it, it seems there's loss to you by putting the Lord completely first without compromise when you do that. This is the faith that you see in these verses. This is the faith you are exercising. The third example we see from Moses' life in verse 27, faith that looks to the unseen realities of God by faith Moses left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, there's some question as to what point in Moses' life is is this statement referring to. As a young man, when he was living in Egypt, and he had a sense that God had called him to lead the people out, we find out from Acts. And seeing what of the Israelite slaves misused, in anger he killed the Egyptian. And he expected that the people would rally around him, that he was the deliverer. But it didn't work out that way. And Pharaoh found out and he had to flee Egypt, we're told, in fear for his life. And he spent 40 years in the wilderness. But then after those 40 years, the Lord appears to him and speaks to him and calls him back to Egypt to do what God had always meant for him to do. But this time it would not be by Moses actions and Moses might now it would be the actions of a man who had grown humble before the Lord and would act as the Lord led him. And then as we know the story, he led the people out. And I think it is this second uh, Time leaving that is meant in the passage because it it fits in terms of whether or not fear was there. It is the central work of Moses' ministry, and it, it connects with the following verse better. So we have Moses who is leaving Egypt with the people. Something that we see Pharaoh did not want, that Pharaoh stood against, even at Plague after plague, Pharaoh had dug into his his heels in, and he even chases them. He will not allow this to happen. And Moses didn't budge. And Pharaoh had the power at any moment to have Moses put to death, humanly speaking. Every time he appeared before Pharaoh, he had to know Pharaoh was getting mad. And he continued because it is what God had given him to do. And he had learned to trust in what the Lord had given him to do because God would accomplish it. You show that faith when you keep your eyes on the kingdom of Christ. When you trust that God is sovereign over hard situations that you are in. What are fearful situations when you trust God is sovereign over this. He is at work. I'm in his hands as we've already said. When we, when we trust that, this is the faith. The faith that is looking to him who is invisible greater than that which we see that seems like it could harm us. This is a faith you exercise when you sacrifice to give and to serve the work of the Lord. When you could see things that seem more advantageous and beneficial of what you could do to help yourself. And you seek to serve the kingdom because you believe the work of God is greater and worthy of your best efforts. That is the faith being exercised. One more example of faith we see. In verse 28, we see faith that trusts the Lord as our hope for deliverance. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. The Lord, through Moses, had sent a series of plagues upon the Egyptians These plagues were meant to show the power of God, and the plagues were all meant to point to the the feebleness of the Egyptian so-called gods, and none of them could stand against the Lord God. And as the plagues mounted, it brought devastation to the land of Egypt, but the last plague was by far the most severe of all, and that was that God had decreed he would send death to every home, to the firstborn, human and animal in every home in Egypt. Unless the blood of the Passover lamb was over the threshold, over the the door of that house, then the angel of death would pass over that house. So when it says he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, this is referring to the very first Passover when God instituted this observance where a perfect lamb was sacrificed, the meal was eaten of the lamb, and then the blood was put over the door, and God passed over and brought so much destruction on the Egyptians that they allowed the Israelites to finally leave. The Passover was God's means of finally bringing the empire to let the people go, but far greater, it it points to the ultimate deliverance that we need and God provides, the shedding of the blood of the Lamb of God. Jesus, the perfect sacrifice who died to pay for the debt of our sin and whoever trusts in Jesus' blood that he died and paid the penalty for our sin, whoever identifies and believes that, the Bible says there is now no more condemnation that the entire extent of our guilt is washed away and that God sees it no more. He says it is cast behind his back into the depths of the sea as far as east as is from west. When we believe that, we are exercising the same faith. And this This faith, it is the greatest faith that exists in the universe. There is no greater faith than that which saves us. And that is the faith, believer, that you have, that God, by his grace, instilled in you, and it has taken root in you. And the Spirit of God causes it to grow. And its, its roots are so deep and bound up in our soul that no one can pull it out. You cannot pull it out. God will never uproot it. It stays and remains and grows. When we see Moses' extraordinary life and the life of Abraham that we saw in previous verses. And we, we read about what they did by faith. We are encouraged by what they did. We think of how wonderful it was how God used them, but we can, we can disconnect that from but me. And think, well, I mean, that certainly has nothing to do with my life. I I have faith. we, We think their faith is in a different league from ours. And it's not. There is faith in the Lord Jesus and the work of God. There is one essence of faith, of biblical faith. And we are in different places and how we're growing that and how we're exercising it. But that faith is something that God has put in you. And it, it is all that you need to follow him. It will sustain you and it can grow to be mighty in how it's exercised. not because you're feeling, yeah, my faith is really getting mighty. You know, whatever comes, I'm ready for it. It, As your life is faithful, You consistently look to the Lord, trust in the Lord. You're in his word. You're praying. You're a part of the gathering of his people. You're serving. You are connected and believing and worshiping. And through all the struggle, your eyes are just kept on him. And then something strikes and comes that is overwhelming that you think you are not prepared for. That you could not stand before. But then... You discover that God is faithful in what he had put in your heart. And that which you would think, how could I stand? And there you do stand. Because we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. We, he's speaking of us, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. We are those who have faith and preserve their souls because our faith is what God does and our faith is in who he is. We won't be offered National wealth like Moses had opportunity for. But we certainly do face many temptations to chase after more. We know what that feels like. You don't have to have billions placed before you to feel the pull of whatever it is that's more than what you have. We need faith to believe that serving Christ is far greater, much more worthy now and forever. We're not commanded by an evil king to kill our children, but we do face loud pressure to shape our children by values that will kill their souls. We need faith to believe that the truths of God are what our families need more than anything else. We will not face Pharaoh's army with our backs to the Red Sea, but you've had enemies behind you and impossibilities before you. where you are wondering, what, what do I do? We need faith that knows our future in its entirety is held in God's good, gracious hand. We're not in Egypt with the angel of death threatening our home. But we all face the worst reality, the wrath of God for our sin and death in hell forever. Above all things we need faith for, we need faith to believe that God in his grace has sent a deliverer and his deliverance is not based upon a single work or effort that comes from your life. That our hope is entirely resting upon the work of his son who came and died for us. And that our faith entrusts ourself to him, what he has done. And that in God's goodness, He blesses us, making us his children, his kingdom, his beloved. The only hope that anyone has in this world is faith in Christ to pay for the penalty of our sins. And that faith is not something that you work up somehow or You deserve for it to come upon your life. This faith comes by just pleading to God your need. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I don't think about it often, I know death is coming. I know I will face you. I know I deserve your judgment. Would you save me, Jesus, would you? you save me, and if he will save a dying thief on a cross who deserved nothing and could do nothing for him, if he would say to him, today you will be with me, he will serve will receive anyone who pleads, and he says yes to whoever will call upon him and the faith that will preserve you forever, he will give, and he will enable you to trust and to follow. God's people, we need extraordinary faith just as Moses did. We need it because we are not strong enough. We are not sufficient. We need him to make us so, and it's his desire to do that. We need faith that's not merely human belief. It's not our opinions, it's not what we work up, it's what God does Within us. God gave you faith in his son. And that is extraordinary supernatural faith. He gave you faith of such great measure. You believe the man dying on the cross was the eternal son of God in flesh. Born of a virgin you believe the man who died and was buried now lives bringing himself out of the tomb by the power of his own name you believe the one you cannot see with physical eyes you one day will that he will return he will gather and he will keep all who are his You, believer, believe that. Your faith encompasses that. And it may stagger at times, but it will not come to ruin. You believe who Jesus is, what he has done, and that he should be followed. Since we have this faith, Let's exercise it. Put it to use. Making decisions and setting priorities. Not by our emotions or what people are saying around us. What does the word of God say to us? What best fits what he says? And that's what we do and we, we build up our soul by every day exalting Christ in our attention, setting him up, seeing, no exaggeration, seeing him for what he is, the wondrous Lord God, deliverer, saver, keeper, lover of our soul, friend. It's to see him as he is. And by seeing him, what would cause us to tremble doesn't look as big anymore. Believer, your faith to live for Christ, it is extraordinary faith because the one we have faith in is extraordinary. Let's pray. Our heavenly Father, you have said that we are your people by faith, you give by grace, faith in your son. I ask that all, all who have trusted in Jesus that you would affirm to them today what what the power of that faith is because of who it is in and things that we're we're struggling with that we would ignore that lying, accusing voice that would speak to us of what we cannot do and we would set our eyes on you and trust you, help your people in everything they need to trust you for this day and that it would grow in each of us, that it would be the full measure of how we live. And we ask that you would draw any who do not know your son, plant that faith in them today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.